Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action for News, your news team keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Combo number five, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Then we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and always remember, ladies and gentlemen, as the great meddling mage Eugene Ionesco always says, themes separate us. Dreams and anguish bring us together to gang up on the person who played too fast too early. Squee McGee getting caught up on meta traffic with Weatherlight Report. Oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of CMD Tower himself. I honestly don't have any catchphrases because Big Tuck beat that shit up. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to your number six source of Magic Gathering news that is now official since we didn't win the award. But we can't. But there's always next year. There's always next hey. year. We got hey, round two. Do you remember two. the movie Semi Pro when they were going for fourth place? Like, we can go for sixth <laughs> yeah, place. That's, that's cool. Yeah, we can always do better. <laughs> that's fair. Well, we're going to start off the top of the cast of latest and carnage that ensued with 45. So uh, I'm going to briefly talk about my games. So uh, I got I got to play with Mr. T and Sir Brian um, and Sir Nathan. We got a lot of sirs in, in our play group. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Mr. T stayed in for a game. Um, Brian stayed in the whole afternoon. In a nutshell, I didn't get to play much. Uh, let's just say Brian and Nathan combined played a little bit of Black or Orzov Death and Taxes. It seemed like all day. Just constantly, hey, I'm going to sack stuff. You got to sack stuff. Hey, I'm sacking stuff. Each of you guys are going to lose a life. It was terrible. Yes. Absolutely awful. So, yeah. what I wanted to do instead is, of course, shout out, I hate you both, but good games. Um, <laughs> I have a announcement for the cast, uh, because this is our one-year anniversary, full one year. We are now Woo! one year and one week old. Uh, very exciting stuff. And so, one thing that I did is I took some of our profit funds and got each of us an altar done. What? The Alterus is actually based. The, the Alterus is based in France, so it's going to be like another month before it gets here. <laughs> okay, but I will share my screen so you guys can see the kind of work she does. And Big Tuck, wow, this yeah. literally, this is literally the altar you're getting. It what? is a Kill Bill Eureka oh, Tiger Shadow. That's insane! <laughs> that's awesome. That looks so good! They're so cool. Yeah. Nice. So, For those playing um, the home game, they have like thick dark borders and then they like shadow in the actual wow. figures on the cars. They're super cool looking. Thank you! Yeah, so, that's incredible! Uh, yeah, so you'll just need to send me your uh, Eureka whenever I see you because I sent in mine. Um, oh, oh, that's oh. the. That's why I'm missing one. I kept wondering what card was missing out of my Yarok deck. I, I guess it's uh, Eureka. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, and then for Squee McGee, I got Akiri the Line Slinger sent yes. in. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, we're going to talk about the that in a second. And then the hardest person to figure out was actually Mr. T. So we sat there and talked about, you know, I tried to ask him, you know, what, what's your favorite deck? And apparently you strip down decks more than you strip <laughs> off your underwear that you wear every day. So My wife has he did to say, me to take showers. <laughs> <laughs> but he did say one of your favorite decks that you ever had was a Gave deck. Yes. Oh, so cool. I actually did send in Gave. Now what's, and then I sent in Selenia the Dark Angel. So what... Uh, Akiri, Selenia, and Gave are going to look like. I have no idea. We just have to wait for the cards to show up. Wow. Uh, but hopefully we get those sometime end of August, middle of September. So these, so but yeah, these Tuck, are, yours for sure is going to be this Kill Bill Eureka. So, you're, so these so are cool these are alters wow. on top of existing cards. It's not like proxies or anything. Yeah, these are oh the gosh, legit cards incredible. that the person does the stuff to. Um, you could call if you guys are curious... If you're curious what we're talking about, you can go look them up on Instagram, portal underscore mini underscore alter. Uh, based in France, like I said, does a lot of cool stuff, does like gold inlays, does this like cool like black silver foil combo thing. So yeah, go check them out. They're they awesome. do look very beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, thank you for the order. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank Muchas you. gracias. That's beautiful. Yeah, but All right. Brian's we'll going to hate you, though, because... Why? Gav oh, because you, is, he hates that Gave deck? Yeah, it's it's so easy to combo off with that general. Just by accident. <laughs> Something happens, there's some 
random Oops, number of cards on the again. board. My bad. Yep. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Well, Squee McGee, what is the first game you would like to talk about? Uh, so I did get to play an online game, and I'm going to give you an update on the ever... And now it's going to be the new bit. Reese is probably not changing anymore, but Akiri's going to be changing a lot for a long time. <laughs> so let's just get on that train and ride on that one. Uh, got to debut with uh, Sir Nathan Dan uh, Duff. The I'm going to I'm going to relabel Duff the monster because he always wins. <laughs> yes. and he always kills people and is terrifying. Uh, whatever deck you're playing, Duff, I'm scared of it. I don't want to play it. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, but yeah, I brought out Akiri, and then I swapped out for Ludovic. I swapped in Ojatai, um nice, as yeah. the other commander. And the deck got, I guess, twice as good? Because now I have two commanders that come in. Yeah. So when people kill Akiri, then you just bring out Ojatai, build up a bunch of counters, put your equipment on that, and then when they kill that, you bring Akiri back out, and you just kind of go Sounds back and terrible. forth and play a little bit of a game roll. Uh, People actually targeted me. It was weird. I didn't Whoa. I didn't I didn't know how to feel about that in the Kiri deck. People started attacking me. They were noticing that I was on the board, and I didn't like any bit of that. However, I guess it's encouraging because now it's 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 doing something other than sitting idly by until the last turn and hoping <laughs> to swing in. So uh, there's the update that I had. It was fun playing uh, with those guys. I still don't love playing online, so I'm just gonna stick to that tune. But uh, one of these days. We're going to get back in person in IRL. All right. Well, Mr. T, any games you want to talk about? Yeah, um, it actually kind of fits what we're going to be talking about tonight, but I played a game oh, no. online against uh, two random people and with Brian, and... That's this. Sir Brian to you, sir. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sir Brian. And there was this one guy who was playing a group hug-esque deck. It was a lands deck. And it started out pretty normal, very low-key. You really didn't know what he was doing. He was just getting lands out. Then he got Ink Moth out, Karn's Bastion out. And what he ended up doing was just poking people and then proliferating so sure. i spent the remainder of the game just playing my lands deck and looping uh <laughs> what is it ghost quarters and bajuka bog so i'd ghost quarter one his lands bajuka bog it <laughs> ghost quarters lands bajuka bog it so i had to keep rotating them out uh it was a. Uh, it, it eventually came down to me and one other player and the other player uh just wrecked me because i was spending so much time focusing on keeping the other lands deck on lock Sure. It's just the way that, that goes. Sometimes yeah. you put your focus on one thing and swoops in. But from I mean, left granted, field. I mean, I guess if you're going to say your group hug and your whole method is, I have to do Blink Moth and Nexus. Hit each person once, and then I have the Karn's Bastion right. nine turns in a row. <laughs> there's worse. I mean, there's worse ways to lose than a 36 mana combo. <laughs> well, it was. He had ways. I can't remember the name of the card, but there were ways for him to always untap. So it was, oh, he was okay. getting Seaborn Muse and Wilderness yeah, Reclamation yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all those thrown in there. And it was just every chance he could proliferate, he was. So I had to keep blowing up his stuff, burying it, blowing up his stuff, burying it. It was a quite a game. Annoying as all hell. Sounds like it. That sounds exhausting, yeah. <laughs> well, Tuck, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, um, so a friend of mine from hockey who is in the armed services and used to play professionally in the early 2000s just got back in town and wanted to jam some games or jam if you will for those who are unfamiliar with the term uh, and uh, i don't know the what only that means thing, still. like they're they're kind of interesting and i was running out my new uh calamax deck right with twinning staff out so twinning staff is an artifact that whenever you copy a spell it, you get an additional copy of it so we found this bizarro infinite combo, which I might put into it with a card called Echo Storm. So Echo Storm is three colorless and two blue. When you cast a spell, copy it for each time you've cast your commander from the command zone this game, right? It's like one of those yeah. cards. And then this one is create a token that's a copy of target artifact. 
So he copied the twinning staff, and then the way Mm -hmm. the stack works is that he makes another copy of this spell, then he copies the uh, twinning staff again, but since the other twinning staff already went through, it made another copy of that copy, and then by the third time, it made each twinning staff was making... So he, he ended up making, effectively... Well, but the thing is, though, you, you do it to copy the twinning staff. Right. You get the trigger to copy the spell again, so you target the twinning staff again. But right. the first one hasn't resolved yet. No, but the cop, when the copy is fall down in order, it's for the twinning staff is whenever something copies something else, it's not on cast. It's just on copy. Hmm. So they Has that not been errated to whenever you cast? No, no, no. Copy no. It's it? just, that's what I'm saying. It's insane. Wow. <laughs> so he also happened to be playing, he also happened to be playing a pre-con. If you would copy a spell one or more times instead of copy it that many times, plus an additional time. So it keeps like stacking up as they go. And then he was playing artifact. He was playing like the out of the box artifact uh, Sahili Ray deck, which is hysterical because he's like a legacy player and was playing a freak on. And he ended up making like a million chief engineers and a million thopters. And I was like, oh, okay. Wait, wait, is that an exaggeration or is that the actual number? I think he he landed on something to the tune of two bajillion or something to that that level. Give or take two (laughs) bajillion. So so the real question is, do we think that's interesting enough for me to put into my own deck? I think no, because I don't have any artifacts that are worth copying besides twin staff. Hey, sometimes you need ways to end games. That's very true. Well, that's going to wrap up 40 Life in a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse. What's the plane chase? So, um, Nick the Hotness, uh, who's a great guy from my estimation. I guess I don't know him that well personally. He sent in an old email <laughs> to the deprecated CMD Tower. Uh, oh, look at that. Emails Whoa. catching Whoa. on, baby. Uh, so he he sent over a suggestion that I thought was kind of interesting to play. So um, he he asked us he asked me what I thought about how to deal with oppressive deck styles. He made mention of like stacks, mass land destruction, infinite combos, degenerate infect stuff. How how should you, how should that be played in, and how should you play against that and choose to play it um, in a casual group, right? So mm-hmm. casual is a very loose term, as we're all well aware of. And it's supposed to be it's casual. It's supposed, it's supposed to be kitchen table magic. So um, just we're by this we mean you know like lower level, lower powered decks. So um, I thought we could kind of talk through three different questions around this. So number one is should oppressive deck styles, not just oppressive cards, but just should oppressive decks be played in a casual group? Um, and the second one, which I've actually well we'll get into before uh, I put my own bias into it, is would you ever gracefully is the key word gracefully downshift one of your own decks when you realize it's out of the realm of casual based on the deck choices and the discussions of your opponents. And then lastly, I thought we could talk about, is there a time? Cause he, he asked if there's, you know, how many stacks card is this? Okay. How many mass destruction cards are okay. I thought we could just talk about, are there times where one or small amounts of these sort of like oppressive, more competitive style cards would make sense in a casual play group or in a casual deck. Okay. So um, I thought I could start off the start. So personally, uh, I don't think oppressive textile should be played, period. So (laughs) there's that. But um, I do think. I think I think it's I think this first one is the hardest, right? Because how you define casual is so broad, Um, and I I think the way I look at it is never if so two things right two ways to go so one if you're playing against a bunch of degenerates and you know they're degenerates but they claim they're just playing kitchen table looking at you scumbags i played in tulsa uh <laughs> then yeah then like bring out the big guns bring out the stacks effects um that's that's one side of it um <clears throat> and then two i would never bring to the first time you play with a group of people, whether that's a, a, a now retired magic fest or also seemingly <laughs> now retired local game store, never start off with a super aggressive sort of deck. And that um, beyond that, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of situational on the, this is going to sound very strange, but like the tolerance level of AU and also potentially how you want to be viewed in a group. So, 
I think that there's times where there's, we've talked about this before, this nuclear arms race of there's one person who's playing super aggressive decks in this one group. So then one person kind of raises his deck level to be more degenerate to come back at him and so on and so forth. Um, but if you're like, okay with that, I think that's probably okay ish i will say that if you do kind of set the tone set the tone it's vine of um uh, if you set the tone of coming out and playing super aggressive stack stacks you will reap the consequences and those consequences are you will be knocked out of the game early and often so yeah um, i mean I, I was gonna say i actually agree with you a whole lot on especially what you said about how you're going to be viewed in your group um if you go in real hot and heavy like you you went into tulsa and they came in hot and heavy you've that felt oppressive to you. That's how you know those guys. That's how you mm-hmm. know who you're playing against now. That's all you're going to think about. So every time that you come to the table, now you're going to bring your guns. Here they're going to bring their guns. It's it's exactly what you said. It's an arms race. Right. Um, I think oppressive decks have a place against other oppressive decks. I'll repeat that. I think oppressive <laughs> decks have a place against other oppressive decks. Because if you're fighting at a constant power level, I know we've talked about it on the cast in nauseum. We've seen it at events we've hosted. Mm-hmm. Mr. Combo uh, has talked about this in the past where somebody will say, well, yeah, no, my kitchen table magic deck is a, it's a seven. It's a 10. Like, you know, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they're coming out, they're swinging. So, I, I mean, they're going to be out there you're going to have to deal with them. I personally hate playing decks like that because I don't see any sort of interaction or fun in the deck other than me playing against my own three or four decks at a table. I can watch myself combo out and have a good time <laughs> and count all my cards and do that. That to me is how an oppressive game feels. I might as well just go home and play multiple decks against myself because it's <laughs> inevitable. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it, personally to me, if you're upfront and honest about what your deck can do, and you let people know that, then, mm-hmm. you know, it can become a fair game of Arch Enemy. Uh, I used to have yes. an Arch Anim- uh, Arkham Dagson deck that would win Oof. consistently on turn two. Yeah. And I would tell You're people when I said, yeah, but it was, it was what the deck was designed <laughs> to do. I mean, there were two avenues the deck could do, which was one, just win. And the other one was have fun with the artifacts you can go get. Because really, there's a very right. linear line sure. of play there. But you would tell them, you'd just be like, hey, you have three turns to stop me. And (laughs) if you can't get me with nine people, you know, nine wheels there where each person gets a turn three times, then it's kind of one of those things that you have to look at your deck as a whole and say, what else do I need to fight that kind of deck? Do I need... uh, you know, some form of interrupts? Do I need some form of targeted removal? Do I need to blow up a land from time to time? That, I am a huge fan of Ghost Quarter in every single deck yes. because you never know what's that. going to be on the table. You don't need a strip mine. They're expensive as all hell, but Ghost Quarter, they're like a quarter a piece. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we have uh, now determined that Mr. T is in fact a monster, which is very <laughs> exciting. Um, so thanks for joining us. Mr. Combo, your thoughts on uh, just the yeah, kind well, of open, uh, open-arched initial question here. Yeah, so I mean, you know I'm a monster, so you know where I'm going with this. Yep. And we actually, we, uh, my my thought is loosely based on a MTG Action 4 news that we did uh, back with Cat Pop, I believe, um, one of the CCO dude bros, where we talked about your metatuned. And one of the questions that we had talked about was, should you tune your decks to your meta when you have X amount of decks? And I think that directly applies to this as well. So, for example, if you have a super casual meta, like where no one really cares about winning, and I think that's actually what casual means. I think we need to stop going away from, oh, that's a power, that's like not as powerful deck, so it's casual. Mm-hmm. No, it, you can have the most powerful deck ever, but if you don't really care about winning at all, yeah. that's what makes you a casual player in a casual meta. I like that. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Yeah, and if you don't have a lot of decks, and you are in this carefree zone, <laughs> then honestly, I don't think it's a big deal to have stacks or mass land destruction or any of that stuff in there because the pilot, is his goal is not to do that. It's just, this is how the deck is constructed mm-hmm. and they are making choices like, hey, do I really wanna do this lockdown piece or do I wanna do this like kind of fun card or, and that I have in my hand? Right, right. Now, if you are, if you are in a meta where everyone is trying to win, 
but yet the power level is less, which I know people like to tie to casual metas, then, you know, maybe those styles don't have a home there. Mm -hmm. But where I kind of go to the other side of the coin is if you have more than, let's just call it seven or eight decks, I think it's perfectly fine for you to have a stacks deck, a mass land destruction deck, a massive combo deck, all the degenerate shit you want, because the likelihood that your opponents see those decks gets less and less and less the more decks you have. Mm -hmm. I have 40 decks now, and I can count on one hand my true oppressive decks. Degenerate decks, yeah. But that's, yeah, that, that's like three, so I got a CEDH deck, I have a Azorius Lockdown deck, and honestly, those are all my oppressive decks. I have powerful decks, so right. if you wanted to throw powerful in there, we got Joda, uh, you know, we have, uh, like, Lord Wind Grace is pretty good, but I maybe have, like, five decks that are just, like, way leaps and bounds. But if we're talking, like, a ratio of, what's that, five to 35, no yeah. one should be upset if it just so happens to be on the rotation that you're going to see this deck because it's not like you're going to see it four or five, six games in a row. And I think that's where people get salty with these kind of decks mm -hmm. where they just see that same deck right. all night if, long. If, if, and if it's you, like, you holy will, hell, I want out if, of this. If, if you will, the Mikhail effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where, well, and he, his effect was more he had three decks. Right. And all three were extremely good and extremely oppressive. So, yes, it got a little old, and you would have to only play your powerful decks right. that day. So, that's kind of where I stand. I think it depends on your meta, but I think we need to get out of this mindset that the deck itself is casual. I think it's the player mm -hmm. that's casual. I think that's, a, I think that's a really, really salient point of, like... Most people who build competitive decks are doing it because they're more seventy-five to one hundred percent pizza, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's I think it's a really good point. Versus some play groups are just like, yeah, I don't care, like whatever. I'm playing Badlands intentionally and that sort of thing. So, um, Mr. Combo, I want to put you in the hot seat on this one too. So the next thing to talk about is would you ever would you ever gracefully downshift a deck once you realize it's out of the casual realm? When you when you kind of get to the table, because we've talked we've talked in the past about like how meta meta gaming and meta choosing is kind of a dick thing to do. But do you ever do? Mm -hmm. Have you? What are your thoughts on meta downgrading or, or downshifting based on what you're seeing at the table? Absolutely not. That's not, the silliest not, thing. Not, I've, not that's silliest, <laughs> Yeah, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Um, there, because here's the thing: if your deck is powerful. It's either one of two things. You did it on purpose, sure. so why would you downshift it? Or why would you gracefully downshift it? You would just play it less frequently. So I'm sorry, but, but so I guess I should I should better describe what I what the question is. So by me, this the example would be like, okay, I'm getting ready to play Prosh, just for example, right? And then I show up and I realize he's playing group hug, he's playing a pre-con out of the box, and he's playing somebody he threw together yesterday. Okay, I'm just gonna go get a different deck. Well, hold on. Okay, so you're you're talking, but when I hear downshifting a deck, that means like I built this deck. It's super strong. Mm -hmm. Wait, it's too strong for my group, so I make it worse. So for me, that's that's yes, I agree with you. That is ridiculous. I mean more of like <laughs> game time decision. I'm not going to play this specific deck. I'm going to go get a different one because it's going to fit better in this group that we have here. Okay, so. I will say, unless it is leaps and bounds better, mm -hmm. I will not. Because of the reason, I nothing gets, like my rule zero is the deck you bring to the table is the one you play. Right. You don't get to see what deck I'm playing and be like, oh, that's bad against my deck. I gotta pick this other one that's like technically like up par or better sure. against your kind of deck. Cause then it's like, well then I need to take this deck away and then try to do that. Cause that would happen to me a lot whenever I would play like a Super Friends deck. Mm -hmm. I put down my Super Friends attracts it and they're like, ooh, well this deck is, is more go tall. That's not very good. Let me go get my token deck. Uh -huh. And it's like, <laughs> F you, man. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Like, you're just literally metagaming against me now that you've seen my commander. And I am very anti that. Now, it, like I said, it has to be, if we did the whole scale of one to 10, it has to be five power levels difference sure. for me to be like, okay, I should probably, like if it's three people with pre-cons and I came with a Traxa, I'm going to be like, oh, let, let me go grab right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me grab something a little bit worse. <laughs> but outside of that very linear example, absolutely not, because you are doing your opponents a disservice, because people need to see how their decks perform against other stuff. Okay, nice. Uh, how about you, Mr. T? What are your thoughts on this? I, I like the concept of not changing my decks out. 
I, I, I don't feel like I should tune my decks down or switch decks out sure. based off of what other people are playing. Uh, I'd rather just play what I have. Now, I control the pace of my own deck. Right, I can choose yeah. if it goes off. I can choose if I want to go for the infinite combo. Like, um, I built a Mimeoplasm deck, and I, there was multiple times during the game I was like, oh, I can win this turn. I'm not going to do that. Everyone's having right, fun. Right, right. I'm just going to keep keep that going. So I control that aspect of it. Um, you know, there are times, though, where I, I think about some of my old decks, like uh, one of my more favorite decks was really dumb, which was my Spider-Man deck, Everybody Gets One. Um, sure. And it was, it was basically um, Angus McKenzie, Mm-hmm. I would save people at least once so everybody gets one. <laughs> no, I like that a lot, yeah. That's a, that's a totally downshifted deck. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have a win con. I didn't have a strategy. It was just nothing right. but fogs. <laughs> and that would be one of those things if I saw people playing weird things. But I don't think we should bash pre-cons, by the way. That, that Marin pre-con... That was a really Filthy. solid, solid precon. But, but Mr. T, you have to admit, over the years, the precon power level has dropped significantly. I, I will still lean on. I, I think, yeah, I, I, they have I gone they, down. They peaked in seventeen. They peaked in seventeen at the Traxa. Uh, uh, so, yeah. No, sorry. No, it was it eighteen? The Edgar Markov series. Oh, That's that was eighteen. I think. Yeah, eighteen. Oh. Yeah, because all those out of the box were like. Just as good. Bangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so Squee, what do you think about What do you think about switching out a deck once you're up? I am 100% team. Take your deck to the table. Don't be ashamed of it. And on that's on both sides. If it sucks, don't be ashamed of it. If it's really, really good, don't be ashamed of it. Show up. Yeah. Play your game. You might get stomped, but, you know, you probably have some good decks. You probably have some bad decks. So it's going to be a 50-50 table there. Maybe you show up with a good deck and you get to run the table and have a good game. Or maybe you show up with a bad deck and you get stomped on. Happens. Enjoy it. That's kind of the game well, of magic. And Squee, you know why I think you and I may think like that? And we haven't heard Tuck yet, but I'm curious if he's along the same mindset as us mm-hmm. to where we've all played sports. Yep. Sometimes you just show up and there's a way better team yeah, than you. Happens. You, 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 you can't be like, hey, don't play your good players because we're not as slaughter? good. <laughs> yes, we had I, so it, just a, a, a tangential anecdote to go with that. Ooh, uh, in grade school baseball, we had a team in fifth grade that went like twenty-two and zero. <laughs> we beat everybody, and we beat them by like fifteen or twenty runs a game. Jesus. And they had what you were saying there. They had a spread rule, so if after three innings, if you were up by fifteen runs. They just called the game over, and everybody got to go home, go take care of your life, get the kids out. Like, don't let that's like conceding. You're allowed to concede after three turns. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, it happens. Yeah, you get stepped on. Maybe you show up to the basketball game, and the other team's got five guys that are seven feet tall. Best of luck. Sure. (laughs) They got Yao Ming on that team. (laughs) Time three. So I look at it kind of a different way for me because if I come and see. A casual like so. Let's say I'm bringing I don't know what's a deck actually like Brea for example. It's like well it's up in the rotation. And I sit at the table sure. and it's like a bunch of like mediocre decks. That for me is exciting because I'm like yes, Mazes End it is or yes, <laughs> bad super friends. Here we go and like that gives me a chance. Like I I like being able to be like oh I'm not gonna have it. I'd much rather play a deck that would get like completely crushed during a normal game if you will or allies or whatever of the myriad of decks that i have that are not good um half if you will uh so i like for me personally that that's exciting to me to be able to be like okay great like now everyone's trying to play something casual i don't have to worry about like i in casual i like the definition i think this goes to it as well of i know there's people who like everyone's just trying to play their decks trying to see them out no one who really cares who wins or loses um, no one's gonna be butthurt about it, and for me, that that's that's the exciting time where I can go and be like, okay, I'm gonna downshift from this tier one or whatever deck to something that is like more joke around because I want to play that deck because mm-hmm. it's my baby. Uh, I just can't play it under normal, aka any circumstances. But I think I'll, I'll add one one last thing here. Think about how nice it is to win with a crappy deck against, say, an Atrax or something. That feels there. Really there good. is there really is true. a. 
There, I did. One of my highlights was I crushed a dude who thought he could beat who, who he thought he could pay his way into it, and he had a twelve hundred dollar deck, and I beat him with a hundred and fifty dollar Narset. Uh, like so, <laughs> feels so real it, it did feel good on that one. But anyway, so let's move on to the last one. Are there any times where having one or two or a very small amount of what would be called oppressive cards in a deck would make sense in a more casual, non-competitive playgroup? Squeeze, take it away. I'm really torn on this one because the moment that you introduce those cards is the moment that your deck takes that leap and then you start tinkering with it and then you see one of them work and then you add another one and that one works and then you add another one and that one works and then you go, oh, there's this cool combo with five of them. Then you got 10 of them. Then you got 15 of them. Then your whole deck's oppressive. So it... I would say it's a slippery slope. Um, but the I, thing is, Squee, not all of us tinker with our decks for years on end. Well, not all of us have 50 decks either. When you got less than <laughs> less than six, it's not too bad. You can go in and tinker with whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, but yeah, for the record, for everyone who can't see the cast, Squee did hold up his hand when he said less than six, but there's only five fingers on his hand. He does so, not have six fingers I, on his hand. I will tell hand. you, I did a mental debate in my head because I couldn't remember if I had, had six decks or five, so I had to run through them in my head real quick and look at it. So it's like counting one, two, three, four, five. Yes, less than six. Great. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think having a couple is fine. Like I run Crater Hoof in sure. a couple of decks, and you'll use it once in a while because as Mr. Combo always says... Games need to end. And generally, as we talk about in, in our uh, alternate universe podcast, uh, you know, yeasty cards have to be good. Otherwise, yeah. they're not yeasty. Then you're just dealing with grains and hops and, and fun stuff. So you do have to have some yeast. I mean, like if we're talking like two card combos, three card combos, you don't have to have those ever. Just as a, a general rule. Of yeah, thought, but, agreed. So, yeah. But, All right, you know, a couple's fine. Sure, Mr. 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 T, T. It sounds like you and I have to be partners on a two-headed giant yeah, against these I think so. All right, Mr. T, I'm what bringing do you think? the worst deck I own. Well, hold, hold on. So I, I want to go back something. You said you had Crater Hoof. You consider uh-huh. Crater Hoof a oppressive card? Oppressive. Absolutely. How? How? Because it ends the game immediately. That's so. That's the definition of oppressive. No. Everybody stops playing and can't do anything else. That's like saying approach of the second sun or Aetherflex Reservoir or oppressive card. How dare you approach of the second sun, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you were to ask me, I would say a card like Crater Hoof can be extremely oppressive because you you never play it unless you win the game. I've never seen anybody play Crater Hoof and not win the game and or not lose immediately because they messed it up. Well, so I, I think we kind of have to set what is oppressive. Like in my mind. Yeah, that's fair. Oppressive are cards that slow the game in a mm-hmm. sense that it just draws it out. So, so kind of stacksy almost I mean, it's similar to stacks, but there's also yeah. that like a great example would be like a scavenging news, right? If your mm-hmm. opponent's playing a graveyard deck, yeah, every time they yeah. cast something, you're pulling something out of the graveyard before they can do it. So if they're casting, they're like, I cast body double and you go, okay, in response before anything happens, I'm going to eat your graveyard. And every time right. they put something in there, you eat it. That's that's one way of doing it. And then you have like the Moldrotha constantly bringing a creature back to the battlefield and then sacking it and then you lose something. So the, to me, those are oppressive cards. So would you or, or consider, even like, say, like a rule of law line. or something like that? Yeah, like a rule of law or... Rule of law is very yes. oppressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have ran those. Definitely and me, yeah, I, I guess I don't. I don't see slowing the game as oppressive. I see ending the game as oppressive. So yeah, maybe we're just the way, in a different school. Yeah, of and thought. the way I define it, the way I define oppressive is you prevent other people from playing their decks. That's that's oppressive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ending the game kind of prevents everybody from playing anything. <laughs> I'm sweet. I'm usually I'm usually on in your corner and I'm plowing you off and I'm putting water in your mouth and I'm slapping you oh, to make sure baby. that you don't get too punchy. On this one, I'm throwing in the towel. I, 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 to. I think we're. If you I think got we're, to. So I would I would rather lose quickly than sit through like yes. oppressive turns where you can't do anything. Like, if, if you're a great example, what is it? Humility and Caltrops. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you don't have a way to win when you have both those out there, just don't play them. Right. Cause it, yeah. it's, it's painful to just sit through something like that. Um, I, 
I used to have a deck and I had to take it apart because Brian was the only one that wouldn't accept my win con. <laughs> and the win con was very simple. It was a super friends deck, but none of the, none of the planeswalkers had an instantaneous. I win ability. It was more oppressive. So my win condition was to get other people to scoop. Yes. That is the worst. That is the worst oppression. Yeah. That that one was bad, but Brian caught on to it, and he would never concede. Good so, <laughs> good for him. So, Mr. So Mr. Combo, I know you, I think I I think you and I are actually going to line up on this one more than you think. So, what do you think about having small or one or or one or two amounts of like oppressive cards in a deck still makes sense? That's a hundred percent fine with yes. me. Um, and, and like, and I have a perfect example of it. So I have a, now granted the, the, the commander is not a casual commander from, well, I mean, I guess it could be cause you could just play really bad cards, but like Kalia. Mm-hmm. So in my Kalia deck, I run two mass land destruction cards, Right. but the only reason is, is because Kalia does not. And, and same thing with my knee. Yeah. Deck. I, was, I was just going to say that's, that was going to be my I, I run a couple, yeah, I run a couple mass land destruction cards because the commanders do not need lands to function. Right. So my way, my path to victory is get them out, get rid of the lands, and then I can start playing stuff for free. And that's kind of the way that I win. Is it technically oppressive? Yes. But does it actually have a function and a path to victory? Absolutely. So I'm okay with mm-hmm. that because the oppressive thing you know, it, it's even like in my mono white deck, uh, my bird of prey, uh, or even my uh, Vin Diesel deck, uh, too fast, too furious. Um, I run like sphere of safety. That's right. an oppressive card. Right, right. But in those decks, I'm playing one spell a turn, anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm not slowing the game down for me quicker than it would be and i'm still those are very voltron i'm gonna smash in the face so i'm moving the game along my lavinia deck is a perfect example of how much oppressive is too oppressive and and i think you bring up so i i agree with you on this point 100 i think you bring up a really good point of that as well where it's like those cards that you made mention of actually in those decks actually are win cons or actually win the game to the extent where like i also i run jockle hops in my super friends deck and my marchesa (laughs) deck because nice. it's like when I cast those, it's pretty much just like, do you guys want to see this out? Because I can just win in like two turns, or do we just want to call it and play something else, right? So I, yeah. I kind of I think that I think that's kind of where the that's where the line gets towed, where it's like I think it, or like Squee, I know you ran Rule of Law or um, Deafening Silence in Reese for a while because you were just running out creature spells, right? And, yeah, yeah and, I don't play anything from my hand. Yeah, right. So like, I think if it's like one or two, and you have no way of tutoring them, they're really just like more of a backbone or backup to your already established win con. Then I think it's fine. Where it becomes like Armageddon for no reason, these sort of things out of spite. I think that's where mm-hmm. that's where it kind of gets more into the like. What are we really doing here, Rome? All right, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. Spite, spite's a good yeah. a good way to to categorize it. Uh, by the way, Mister Combo, I can't believe that I didn't notice this, but Vin Diesel is not in Too Fast and Too Furious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just it's hilariously ironic. I love it. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a question for the group. Sure. Karn liberated. <clears throat> and Mycosynth lattice. No, not no. Karn Liberated is the uh, the old school card. Yeah, the Terminator oh, card. Old school. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Would you consider Karn Liberated's ultimate? And his ultimate is restart the game, oh, yeah. leaving all the exiled cards, bring them back to the battlefield on your side. Does restarting the game forcibly count as an oppressive card? If you get everybody else's exiled stuff, absolutely. And if you start on an even playing field, no. (laughs) And this is actually something that Tuck and I have talked uh, off cast about because I used to run him as one of my win cons and my attracts a super friends deck. I think since he was printed and you can do the chain veil infinite activations, you basically get everyone's stuff that has been so outclassed now with the cards that have come out to where if you're being able to generate infinite mana to do that rigmarole, there's other ways that you could just win the game. The whole restarting the game, it's a gimmick Mm -hmm. and Unless you're doing it infinite, that would be oppressive, but you would just win another way. Yeah. So if you're just doing it for funsies, like I get a couple cards, I'm going to restart the game. Totally not oppressive because everyone's at 40 life. You basically have your decks back. It's right. just game game number 1.5. 
So I, I agree. And the other thing, too, is I there has never been a time. I think I've only seen Carden played once or twice out in the wild, if you will. And there's never been a time where it's like, uh, Karn liberated, Karn liberated pass. Everyone's like, okay, cool. Um, land. All right. I'll attack you for two, uh, pass turn. Like everyone's like, <laughs> like Karn liberated. Oh no. You know what I mean? So I think if it was something where it's like, he was a little fast to, to Mr. Combo's point, if he was a little faster than sure. Sure. But like, you're also going to be, it's also going to get to the point where like, if you're, if that's your end goal, you're going to have some sort of Colossus or some other horrible monster mm-hmm. waiting in the wings for you to restart the game. Yeah, that's fair. And I guess, I suppose, you know, with his new artwork, he's not really oppressive. Oh my God. Anymore, so, <laughs> no, he's uh, just happy. It's horrendous. Uh, I guarantee I'm getting, I'm getting my box in tomorrow and I have a feeling, I got a feeling that's on top. Are you going to open feeling? it? Huh? You're feeling for car? Are you going to open it? I don't know yet. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. boxes coming in and I'm not sure if I'm going to open either. Yeah. But anyway, so, okay, cool. Well, I think, I, I think that we all have kind of our own idea of how oppressive deck styles can be played and how oppressive cards can be played. But honestly, I think it's really, I think the real takeaway from here is like, know the group you're playing with know your the way that you own like you know the way know the group you're playing with know the know the way you like to play um and know what's fun for you and other people so i thought this is i thought this is a really good um i thought this is a really good discussion guys so i appreciate your was. i appreciate your tale, what kind of scumbags i'm podcasting <laughs> <Yeah>. with <laughs> oh, no terrible. kidding uh and with that mr combo i pass it back to you all right well that's gonna wrap up what's the point chase now in that last segment squeeze dies and do those creative juices with the weather Back to the Weatherlight Report, coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper 4. I'm Squee McGee, so today I wanted to go back in time, since it's our year-ish anniversary. Uh, I know the news didn't exactly start, I think we're five episodes behind, but I'm going to take it right now as we can. So my very first Weatherlight Report was Kukusho. I'm going Kukusho (laughs) 2.0 today, and we are going still mono black with Torgar Famine Incarnate. Oh! It is surprisingly in 97 decks if i recall correctly uh six colorless two black legendary creature avatar as an additional cost to cast this spell you may sacrifice any number of creatures this spell costs two less to cast for each creature sacrifice this way when torgar famine incarnate enters the battlefield up to one target player's life total becomes half their starting life total rounded <laughs> down it's a seven six so you're gonna have a lot of fun with this guy and I mean, really, it's it's got a very similar. It's it feels so much like Kakusha, where you're just killing them, bringing them back, killing them, bringing them back. If you can blink them somehow in black, good luck. I don't know, but we're we're gonna have a little rigmarole here today. Uh, I did have a question because I'd never heard of this. Have you guys ever seen this played? No. Yes. Uh, I I used to play it in arena. Uh, right when Arena first came out, Dominaria was still in rotation, really? and uh, I actually ran this in my Golgari deck. Hell yeah! Sweet. Now we're talking. Love it. Yeah, it was filthy. Really? Yeah, this card's great. And I mean, like, it's not all that hard as we'll get into here to to get some black creatures out sure. onto the board that you can sack into this guy and get them out pretty early. And and to add to that, it's not just your opponents that you do this to. I would sometimes use it to bring up my life total to half its starting oh, life total. Sure. Oh, there you go. So it can be a way to kind of save you. Check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's genius. It's absolutely genius. Uh, so the first card I wanted to talk about is going to play into how we're going to get things onto the board to get him out onto the board as well. Um, so it's going to be Sengir Autocrat. Three colorless and a black summon Autocrat. Uh, I don't know what that's added to. I assume just an autocrat. A uh, human, uh, shockingly. A human, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, when Singir Autocrat comes into play, put three Surf tokens into play. Treat these tokens as zero one black creatures. If Singir Autocrat yeah. leaves play, bury all Surf tokens. It's a two two. So this gets you on your ideally, if you had a good draw, maybe third turn, plop this guy down. You can sack three tokens, and then your commander costs two. Like it, and and then also you can have that extra mana open for dark ritual, five mana oh, somehow <laughs> dark ritual right near commander. Yep, yeah. Jesus. So I, I, this one I'd never really heard of this one either. It's it's pretty old looking. Everybody thinks what Singer Vampire. Yeah, yes, right. I was gonna I say I think it's, singer, I think so, it's the I, only non vampire singer card that exists. Um, and I remember for a long time that it didn't have tokens. That went with it until it got reprinted sometime recently, I believe. And they're oh, kind of big tuck. It does have some flavor text if you can read it. 
Okay, which one are we talking about? <laughs> uh, oh, I see. Uh, oh, no, I have it on Strike Pulse. We're good. The penalty for idleness is death. The penalty for oh. disputing the penalty. Oh, that's different flavor text than yeah, I'm looking at. Oh, are you, oh, you're saying, wait, okay, says, wait, is it yeah, mine says, evil is relative? Yes. Do sheep think any better than the shepherd? Ooh, nice. Baron Singer. Yeah, nice to yes. A Baron Singer, so they had old to bring school in on that, yeah. vampire commander. But anyways, we're getting way off topic here. Solid card. <laughs> Happens. All right, so uh, next one I wanted to dive into. So this one is going to be Skurzdag High Priest. Um, it is one colorless and a black. It's a human cleric, and then it's a rare. Uh, it has morbid. Tap two untapped creatures you control. Put a five-five black demon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Activate this ability only if a creature died this turn. It's a one-two. So idea here is you're going to be sacking things out to get your commander out. Why not at the same time bring in a five-five black demon flyer and have a little bit more fun? So as soon as he enters in the battlefield, you're dinging somebody for half their life. Then you got some flyers to go in and continue the process. I'd I like this card a lot. I I didn't realize that it's just a simple tap ability if something mm -hmm. died and you have to tap two creatures, but ideally you're putting yeah. a lot of things out. That, that's the only thing that'd be negative with this deck is if you're trying to actually sack your creatures with your commander's ability, mm -hmm. that's fewer things to tap right. to activate Morbid. Mm -hmm. Usually you would have this in like a quote-unquote you know death and taxes, but I would like to see it played because I love this card. Wait, yeah. It's Check amazing. this tech. All right. You have this out. Yep. You cast your commander. It has summoning sickness, but you can yep. tap this and tap. Oh, never mind. Damn it. I thought it was you could tap itself. Doesn't work. But it is a cool <laughs> card. Ideally, for this card, what I would do is not use it the turn the commander comes in. I got a little excited if you have some other creatures available to do sure. that, but um, you're going to use this when you're sacking your commander out also, because mm -hmm. you're going to be constantly trying to put creatures and tokens and whatever you can get out onto the board. Uh, you got to get your commander off the board to bring him back to use his ability again. Um, so when you're getting your commander off the board, obviously creatures dying, then you tap this, tap a couple creatures that you may have out there as your commander's been on the board and you're building back up to play him again. Uh, so you can do that kind of at the same time in almost the same rigmarole, if it were. Or if you will, a Rube Goldberg machine. I do, I do, like, a, I do like a good Rube Goldberg Deprecated bit. <laughs> I miss the Rube Goldberg machines. Let's, uh, let's get back into those. Is it, I, I forget, is it Rude or Rube? Rube. 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 All right. Well, there we are. Now we're going back to, as I try to bring up as often as I possibly can, my favorite logo in all of Magic, Mirage. Uh, we're talking about Carrion. That's C-A-R-R-I-O-N for those playing the home game. One colorless, two black. It's an instant. Uh, sacrifice a creature. Put into play a number of maggot tokens equal to the sacrifice creature's power. Treat these creatures as a zero-one black creature. Whoa. Sack your commander to this thing and you're gravy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, a, a little off topic, but Tuck, have you considered putting this in your Prosh deck? No, but it's really good. Yeah, you, 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 you sacrifice a bunch of stuff to Prosh, you hit someone for a bunch, he's like a 12 or a 14. Right. Cast this, you sack Prosh, you get 14 of the maggots, Woo. and then if you have like a food chain or something. Right. Or like or like a perforos, like because I'm not a perforos. Well, if you have oh, food sure. chain in Prosh, you just win anyways. <laughs> uh, that? Yeah, sure. Perforos per isn't a scumbag card at all. Uh, facts. And the other thing I'll mention of this is it is also a piece of <sighs> magic history. <laughs> oh, you do know I love my history in magic. Even though I'm scared of antiques in real life, it's an odd dynamic, but... Uh, <laughs> whoa, whatever. whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it the Annabelle syndrome that you're scared of antiques? <laughs> he, doesn't like the, he, doesn't, he just doesn't like old... Is it old smells? Old smells, old looking things. It like... You know, like the 20s style glass doorknobs? Those really freak me out. Uh, like old style key locks. I don't like those with like the pirate key. I don't love it. What? Uh, those like, are so cool. Like, no, I, I think it stems. I grew up... My, uh, my parents grew up on a farm and... Uh, the barns were full of like 50 year old <coughs> rusty tools and lawnmowers and tractors and I had to go and in then, there and look through all that stuff and that wasn't and then, and then the scarecrows um, came to life after dark and that really that's really what made you scared of yeah, that so, then I turned on the TV we, we hold up the static, scarecrow you know. Squee McGee where did the scarecrow touch you <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to find out in dear Squee uh, alright so uh, last card I wanted to talk about is Soldevi Adnate 
It is one colorless, yeah. a black, summon cleric. Uh, what is that? Alliances, I believe. Um, tap, mm-hmm. sacrifice a black or artifact creature to add an amount of black equal to that creature's casting cost to your mana pool. Play this ability as an interrupt. So this is kind of a similar rigmarole to what we were just doing oh, yeah. on the last card. But, you know, you can use this anytime you want. And this this card I could see being used across the board in a lot of decks. It's really, really good. Yeah, Mr. Combo, this was a this was a new sleeper hit in your uh, Shirai deck, right? Yeah, yeah, that's an all star. I love that card, especially because it can sack itself for two. Mm-hmm. Correct. There was actually a game where that card was doing so much work that people tried to remove it and then <laughs> it sacked it to itself, and they got real upset. <laughs> Jelly. Yeah, I was surprised. What's this running at like a buck forty or something like that? Sixty-one cents. Cheap. 63 oh, even cents better. even better uh I, yeah this is really really good I, I know a lot of people don't run mono black but this would work in a lot of multicolored decks and a lot of other places that you can use it in so uh, i thought i'd bring a little awareness here and of course plays well with the commander love it yeah and, and, and i think this commander is interesting i think the way you like if you had an overall archetype for the deck it probably needs to be like life total manipulation things like wound right, reflection sure. things where it's like hey i cast my commander or sorry he just etbs <laughs> so you right. can run like conjurer's closet mm-hmm. in the deck um but you just you just do a lot of these things where it's like hey you lost half your life well by the way you're gonna lose another half of your life at end of turn right. or uh just different things like that that's where i really think this deck can kind of actually kind of take itself to another level with an eight CMC commander. Right, right. And to Mr. Combo's point from earlier, you can use his ability late game as a political move to give people extra life. I like it. Yeah. So are you see, pitching, see, Mr. T, that's that's the true Spider-Man right there. <laughs> so are you pitching mono black group hug right now? Uh, potentially. Yes. Sure. Why not? I would this is the weatherlight report. I do whatever the hell it's, I want. It's 2020. <laughs> Live the dream. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I can be anything I want in 2020. Don't oppress me. Except out in public. <laughs> well, that's all I had on that. So I'm going to kick it back to the Action Four News desk with Mr. T, Mr. Combo, and Big Tuck. Bye. Thank you for staying with us. And as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders through level1gameshop.com. Also, another way to support your new team is head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower, with reward tiers for all the budgets. There is a way that you, the collective, can help. You can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 News team by following us on the Twitter, the Facebook, and our WebSeek, CMDeek. Yeah! You can communicate directly with our news team at CMD Tower, at Mr. Combo number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dear Squee, at Big Tuck Tweeting. From your MTG Action 4 News team, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good beak.